Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and 8 through 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was going, that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that, was, that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered himself faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person... And, that, and this one, as good as dead, descendants were born, as many of the, as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed, what they, they confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way made it clear that they were seeking a homeland." If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Thanks, Stacey. Thanks, Tamara, Mark, and your team. That was a wonderful beginning of our morning. My name is Jason Smith. And I am the associate pastor here at OKC First Church this month, concluded my 20th year of ministry here at OKC First Church on staff. Uh, 20, been with you a total of 21 years, Um, my goodness, and it's a joy to be your pastor. I'm looking forward to this morning to open up the word um, from Hebrews 11 and, and the story of Abram. I may be leaning a little bit more on my notes more than usual this morning. The sermon has come together in an odd and wonderful way this week, so you may have to be looking at that a little bit. I do want to let you know that I'm not the senior pastor. Our senior pastor's name is John Middendorf. Pastor John has returned from a trip to Ireland. They got in last night, and uh, they'll be driving back to Oklahoma City today, so he is stateside. We're very glad. Our staff will be so excited to see him this week, and I know you'll be excited to have him back in this pulpit on Sunday. So be praying for them as they recover from their weeks away in Ireland and as their adventures there as a family. And so I bring him greetings, though. He texted me this morning and said, I'm, I'm praying for you, but please tell the people of OKC First Church that I love them. And so I want to send you greetings from Pastor John. And a little bit of housekeeping before the sermon starts in just a moment. This may end up coming back into the sermon, but I want to let you know that I was born on August 8th, 1979. It's not very often you get to preach right next to your birthday. And August 8th has always been a very special day. The, the day, that the week that I was born, Mike Irons, the superintendent of schools for the 8C school district. Boy, you know what? I love having my mom and dad in town. Would you give them a round of applause? They're going to hate that. My goodness. 
This week marked their, their one-year anniversary living in Oklahoma after the whole of their life, living and serving as school teachers on the 8C School District in Ontario, Oregon. And I'll tell you what, preaching is different when you preach to your mom and dad. I don't know if you know that, uh, but I did have a definitely an interesting uh, morning as people greeted me as we came to church. Uh, I woke up this morning, Faith Sinclair sent me a text message just full of prayer and a prayer for me. I showed up to church and I walk in, the, walk in the door and there's Pastor Lisa and she goes, oh, Pastor Jason, I was praying for you yesterday. I was praying for you today. You have just a, such a sense of peace and calmness when you preach. I said, I do, really? That is wonderful to hear. I didn't know that at all, but thank you. I walked down the hall, run into Pastor Zach. Zach says, leans in and goes, you better not screw this up today. Uh, so that was the greeting that I got from Pastor Zach. I leaned over to my wife and I was like, man, I'm going to be leaning on my notes a little bit more than I usually ever have. And she goes, it's okay. Nobody else here wants to get up and preach. (laughs) (laughs) And if they do, we probably would not want them to be the ones to get up and preach. So it's it's an odd thing, this preaching task and this preaching moment. But first, a little bit more about August 8th. Mike Irons was also born on August 8th. And as two school teachers from the district, Mike Irons came over in an envelope He brought a gift for my parents to give to me. And that gift were 10 Susan B. Anthony dollar coins. Those began to be minted in 1979. How many of you do raise your hand? Do you know about a Susan B. Anthony coin? Okay, a lot of you do. A lot of you do, but some of you don't. You know, Susan B. Anthony was the first woman ever to be coined in the U.S. currency. Isn't that interesting? She was born in 1820, and her life was incredible. She was a wonderful and incredible Christian woman who belonged, she was a Quaker. And so she lived her life, giving her life to a few different causes. One of them was anti-slavery. She was always on the front lines trying to make sure from her Quaker background that she was someone who was working against slavery. But she became most famous for her work with women's suffrage. And I'm going to be talking to our teens every once in a while and to our kids who are here because, you know, I just, I like to do that every once in a while. And I want to just ask you the question. Did you know that in the United States of America, women were not always allowed to vote? That sound, what a hard thing even to say out loud. What a strange thing. But Susan B. Anthony gave her life to the cause of women's suffrage. And I think she probably was considered a nuisance and a troublemaker. But when she was 52 years old in in 1872, she cast a vote illegally in an election and was arrested and convicted and forced to pay a fine. But she refused to pay that fine. She lived her life working to be able to make sure women could have the right to vote. And I've got bad news for you. She died in 1906, 14 years before women were granted the right to vote in 1920 when the 19th Amendment was ratified. So she lived her whole life for a goal and for a cause that she never saw the promise or the fulfillment of. She died not seeing that the cause she had given herself to would ever come to fruition. But then in 1979, I guess that's 107 years after she cast that illegal vote, the United States 
put her on a coin to commemorate her life and the cause that she gave herself for, even though she didn't see the end of that. Now, I have a gift for a few of you this morning. August 8th means so much to me. And I have a few friends that are also born on August 8th. I've been looking for her all morning. I don't think I see Lisa Brashears. Lisa, are you here this morning? Lisa was born. Is she, where's she? She's out of town. Lisa, when you watch this, because I'm sure someone will hopefully one of your friends, you got to watch this, Lisa. I have a gift for you. It'll be in my office. I want to give you a Susan B. Anthony coin. Because beyond the tin that Mike Irons gave me, I've been collecting Susan B. Anthony coins really my whole life. And for those that golf with me know, the ball marker I've used for most of my life when I play golf to mark my ball on the green is a Susan B. Anthony coin. I want to remember Mike Irons. I want to remember Susan B. Anthony. And I just love my birthday. (laughs) Larry Bennett, can you come on down here? I've got a gift for you. Larry Bennett was born on August 8th. I'm not going to say the year, but come here. Larry, I've got a coin for you. Come here, come here, come here. Come all the way down here. I want you to come here. I'm, I'm giving you this gift. This is, this, this is for you. Yeah, come here. This is for you. Was anybody else in this room born on August 8th? The greatest, the greatest of dates, says Larry. We, we love our date. I know that L- Lavelle Cornwell was born on August 8th. Kami Paul was born on August 8th. My good friend, John Winner, on the campus of Southern Nazarene University, I was walking across campus, and I heard someone say his birthday was August 8th. And I looked over and I said, my birthday was August 8th. We should be friends. And I'm friends to this day, to this day and I'll call him tomorrow. Ryan Gage was born on August 8th. And then in 2012, there was someone also born on August 8th. It was Harrison Miller. Harrison, come here. I've got this Susan B. Anthony coin. I want to give it to you. This is a Susan B. Anthony dollar coin. And you were born on August 8th. And we get to be birthday buddies. And someone else in my life, my daughter, Berkeley Smith, was also born on my birthday on August 8th. And these two, hey, come up here on the, come up here. So we need to get you on camera. These two turned 10 years old tomorrow, if you can believe it. So we've got, love you guys. (laughs) You guys can sit here and listen to the sermon, or you can go to children's church, whatever you want. Oh, hey, nice. Super surprised me. I thought for sure they would head out of the room. (laughs) <laughs> There's a wonderful PBS documentary um, about Susan B. Anthony called, and get this title, thinking about the scripture text we've been given today, Not For Ourselves Alone. And so it, it's, it's a long documentary, but I know that Britt Bowler-Jack would love for you to watch that. And Britt, I know you're watching, she's serving as a digital pastor this morning. I've got one of these coins for you and one of these coins for Shiloh B. Bowler-Jack. For those of you who don't know, one of the reasons that the middle name of Shiloh is just B., is because she was named after Susan B. Anthony in some way. And so, a little bit of housekeeping this morning. I love talking about my birthday, and I love all of my birthday friends, but you too, happy birthday tomorrow, and happy, happy congratulations on me being 10 years old. My goodness. Okay, so keep that in mind as we travel through the rest of this sermon, but I've got a couple stories to tell you. First one is about a hike I went on recently. My family goes to Red River every summer with some friends, and we, every year we go on one particular hike. It's called the Middle Fork Lake Hike. And it's just wonderful. It's, it's, a, it's just kind of a switchback hike. It's tough, but there's always a reward at the end. And so this is Katie and I halfway up the hike this year. Uh, some of you may think that it looks like I'm going golfing. 
every outdoor activity I ever do, I look like I'm going golfing, so that's just kind of how I look. Uh, so, when, but there's a reward at the, at the top of this hike, and it's Middle Fork Lake. Look how beautiful that lake is. Uh, and so, there's a reward at the end. And you, you kind of, if you're not someone who loves to hike, you, you do the hike because you know when you get there, you're going to be sitting at this beautiful lake, you've packed your lunches, your friends are going to be there. There's just like, you guys know what it's like to go through a difficult obstacle and get to the end. And when you get there, there's the reward, and it's worth the reward. Well, this year, my family and everyone else who on the hike with us, well, this is the picture that you can take when it's halfway up, and you're just all smiles looking to get to the end of the promise. This year, three-quarters up the way of the hike, Harrison and Berkeley, you guys know what happened. It began to hail on us. The rain started, and all of a sudden, there's some rumblings in the air. And then all of a sudden, like a huge snowstorm, the hail just began to pound on our heads and on our ears and on our backs. And then the hail, surely, Brett, it's going to be a short hailstorm, and just pass over the mountain in sheer minutes. And so you keep walking, but then it got so hard and so heavy that we began to take shelter as much as we can underneath these trees. And you were finding like this all up the mountain, all these people, and you thought for sure after those five minutes of hail that it will pass by you. The storm will pass you by. And it just keeps hailing. Hailing so much, it looks like it has snowed on the path and on the trees. And then the hail stops and you think, oh good. But then the rain starts. And it keeps raining. And it keeps raining. And it keeps raining. And you're huddled underneath the trees with everyone else on this hike. Now, being an experienced hiker, my raincoat Katie's raincoat, Berkeley's raincoat, McCall's raincoat, all not faithfully stuffed in my backpack, all back home in our closet, uh, <laughs> down the mountain. <laughs> Troy, you'd be happy with my severe lack of preparation. And so you think, well, surely we're only just, we're, we're 90% of the way to this lake. But then you just see the river start cascading down the path. And you think to yourself, am I going to make it down? Surely I'm not even going to think about going up to that lake. And I, I happen to be with McCall. And in the middle of this rainstorm, when I, I know at least one person's phone was completely damaged, I said, McCall, I got to take a picture. I got to remember this. And so I pulled out my phone in the middle of a rainstorm, and you can't see it, but I just want you to see how good and clear and beautiful this picture is. At the same location, a couple hours later, after trying to wait down the storm and then running down the mountain in the river of a, of a, river of a trail, this is McCall. <laughs> and I wasn't smart enough to figure out a live photo, Zach, but I wanted that photo to just be like the rain pouring down on McCall and me risking one photo. Because McCall was there with some of her friends who happened to be right here in this group. It's those three boys right there. And I saw McCall and, and Miles and Noah. And at one point, I don't know which one of it was, but one of you yelled, we've got to tell Avarilla about this. <laughs> and I don't know which one of you three said it, but then I think Noah said, oh yeah, we are definitely telling Avarilla about this. We're definitely telling Avarilla this story. 
And you guys, it made me smile. Because if the hike would have been this, Jason and Katie, picturesque Christmas card picture, middle Fork Lake waterfall, and then the picture up at the top of the lake, it wouldn't have made the sermon. (laughs) Nobody tells a story of, we went on a hike and it was great and there were no challenges. Stories come when there's a challenge and that together we can say we made it and we made it together. That's a story that three middle schoolers and an almost high schooler can come back and say, we're telling Avril of this story. Because every great story that has ever been told has a great challenge that has had to be overcome. No good stories are told of we went on a, we went on a hike and wasn't it nice. No, stories are told when there's a challenge. And I love stories. And the lectionary has given us a great one this morning. This passage of Hebrews was absolutely made for me. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Tamara about the song selection for this morning, and she looked at me and said, oh, I've already selected the songs on the Sunday you're going to be preaching. You'll be preaching from Hebrews. And I was like, oh, you know me so well. Yes, I'm going to be choosing with the lectionary passages given to me. I'm definitely going to be choosing Hebrews 11. I'm going to be talking about Abram. See, I wear a lot of hats at OKC First Church, and one of those hats is that I teach Disciple, which is a Bible study group that goes from Genesis to Revelation every Wednesday night from September until April. We're going to get to some of that later, but I do want to ask a question. How many of you, raise your hand, have been through Disciple with me? I just want to look out there and see. And I want everyone who doesn't have their hand up to look how many people have done Disciple. It's your turn. It's your turn to do it this This year, we'll get to more of that later. I'm also the pastor that cares for people at the end of their life. And having been here for 21 years at OKC First, it's uh, now kind of been said uh, that Pastor John marries him and I bury him. That's something that we've heard many a time at OKC First. I think that there has been something in my life over these last 21 years where I have visited nursing homes and assisted living facilities and having officiated now over 130 funerals over these last 20 years that has made a significant impact upon my own life and how I view the world. I definitely believe that vocation is formational, and I believe I am a different person because of the vocations that I've had the opportunity to do here at OKC First Church. So see, for years I've sat and listened to people in their homes, and I've heard their stories, stories about their life and oftentimes struggles. And as I've listened, I've noticed that the best stories weren't always when someone accomplished something great because they were awesome. The best stories that drew me in were the stories when someone was able to overcome something seemingly impossible with the help of their God and family and friends, that that was something of which perhaps they were the most proud. When someone passes away, I often ask the family when we gather together, talking about their life, what was an obstacle that your loved one was able to overcome in their life? And man, does that sometimes lead to the absolute best stories as I gather with those families. Well, welcome to Scripture. Scripture is the story of the people of God. And the Bible story of the Hebrew people starts in Genesis 12. And it starts with a man named Abram. Here is Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Let me read it aloud for us. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now I saw, I seemed like a hundred hands go up when I ask how many of you have been through Disciple over these last 10 years that I've taught that class. In so many ways, when we go through Disciple from Genesis to Revelation, we always go back to Genesis 12, one to three as the thesis for the whole of scripture. When we go through Disciple, we keep coming back here because this seems like it's the thesis statement for the whole Bible. That God has blessed his people, that they are to be a blessing so that all the families in the earth might be blessed. And in Disciple, we find that the story of the Bible might be how spectacularly and consistently and constantly the people of God forget this thesis statement. I know you're not quite back to school yet, but our students, when you are asked to write an essay, you have a thesis statement. I'm, not, I'm talking to all of you, not just, our, not just our teenagers. But in middle school and high school, you're taught by your teachers to be able to go back to school and know what a thesis statement is. When you write an essay, you've got to have a thesis statement that says, this is the point of the essay. This is what the essay is all about. And oftentimes, your English teacher will tell you, every paragraph has to point back to this essay, back to this thesis statement. And your conclusion is often just a rearticulation of what that first paragraph was, or that first sentence, which is your thesis statement. In Scripture, I believe that this is the thesis statement for the whole project of God, that God has blessed and loved His people. Now it's your job to go be a blessing and to love others so that not just you, but all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But the people of God are somehow constantly forgetting the thesis, but so do we. I especially think that all word is hard. Oftentimes we begin to chop up that all word, whether it's a church or nation state, denomination, and we want that all word, we really struggle with that all word. God really can't mean our enemies, right? And oftentimes the all gets chopped up so much, like in a nation state, that we make sure at the beginning of the passage of the United States of America, that all didn't include Slaves, and surely that all didn't include women to the right to vote. We just chop that up to the people who are making the rules and dividing up and chopping up the all. Oftentimes that all becomes to look like just people that look like the people who are making the rules. It's so easy to chop up that all. And so there's this thesis statement that continues to be forgotten. But there's at the beginning of the story, that first paragraph, there's an incredible and powerful line. And it's right after Genesis 12, 1 to 3. It's Genesis 12, 4. And it's this line. So Abram went. And the story begins. Abram goes. And you guys, I've got great news. It was easy for him. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. No challenges in Abram's way. He always remembered. No, did you guys not listen to my hike story? It was not easy peasy, lemon squeezy for Abram. 
Nothing went his way. His whole project to be the father of the, all of the nations began when he's 100 years old and he's got a barren wife? What a terrible place to start. No, you guys, every story worth telling is there is an obstacle or a challenge that needs to be overcome. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a story. And so Abram went. He makes a mess of things. You guys, it's like when he's on his hike, it never stops hailing on Abram's hike. There's always struggle. Abram forgets the thesis message. Abram tries to do it on his own without the help of his tribe, without the help of his God. Around every corner, there's this trouble and there's an obstacle. But God walks with Abram. And by the grace of God, with the grace of God, Abram faiths. Now, I just use faith there as a verb. And it's not the first time that that has been used from this pulpit. I believe both Pastor John and Pastor Steve have used faith not as something that you have, but something that you do, using it as a verb. It can be something that you have, but it seems around here that when you believe in something, you don't just believe that something in your mind, but you believe that something with your body, with your actions, with your love, and with your service. And I think faith is like that too. I think you faith with your body. You see, I think we're all Abram. This sermon isn't about Abram. This sermon is about you. God is calling you. God is commissioning you. God is sending you out into the unknown. And do you want to know a few examples of those adventures that are await you? And I've just selected these from things that you have told me in the last two weeks. So if you think that you're, you're not being picked on, you're being used as an example. But you have told me this in the last two weeks. You're going back to school. So many stories of meet the teacher, schedule pickup this week and next week. You're headed away to college. But maybe more importantly, parents, you're sending your child away to college. Some of you for the first time as a freshman, some of you again. You're heading into a new profession. You're showing up tomorrow to work and you're resigning. I know that we have quite a few first-time teachers. I was hoping Joel Dyer would be here. Joel is going to be teaching on the same group in the fifth grade class with Mrs. Hardy. Somehow they show up and they're on the same team. And they say, you're Nazarene, what church do you go to? I go, well, I go to the, o you go to OKC First Church? And they show up for the same team. Joel's never taught before. He signs up to teach in public elementary school. And guess who's on his team? Laura Hardy. My goodness. Some of you are new parents. Some of you are moving homes. Some of you are moving schools. Some of you are moving to a new location. I don't see Joe and Amy Miller this morning. Are Joe and Amy here? Joe and Amy, if you watch this, we spent 20 minutes in our staff, team, staff meeting this week. They've accepted a position to work at Golden Bell Camp up, up in Colorado. We spent 20 minutes in our staff meeting this week just talking about what a blessing and how much we as a staff have loved Joe and Amy Miller and their family. Some of you are downsizing and moving to a new place. Some of you are learning what it means to be an empty nester, and some of you are running for office. The adventures... No, no bounds. And God has called you and commissioned you into some place, into places unknown that you do not know what to expect. 
Remember, this sermon isn't necessarily about Abram, it's about you. And so, what's in front of you? What's in store? What lies ahead? Because I want to give you some encouragement this morning. God is with you. God is calling you, and God is asking you, whatever your calling, whatever your adventure, whatever your cause, to be a blessing, so that, like we saw in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, don't forget the thesis statement. You have been blessed and loved to be a blessing and to love others so that all the families of the whole world might be blessed. See, this sermon isn't about Abram, it's about you, but I also think it's about us. Together, God is calling us one by one and together to be a blessing to one another and to those around us, to love one another well. It can't be a sermon at OKC First Church without one that my friend is going to be able to be listening to this, or maybe even listening now, named Pastor John Mendorf, without saying, part of your calling and commissioning to be a blessing is to disagree Christianly, even when you don't get along or agree, but to love one another in the middle of your disagreements, that all the people of the world might be blessed. Because like Abram, God walks with us. And by the grace of God, with the grace of God, we can faith like Abraham. You see, there's a line that has been used around here for quite some time, and it goes like this. You are a tree in the story about a forest. This line seems so true for those you've heard this before, but there are some guests here and some folks who've not been here. You've heard this for the first time. This is one of those OKC first-isms, like God's mind about you is made up and the news is good. This is one of those OKC first-isms that lives in my heart, that you are a tree in a story about a forest. And this line seems so true when you get to the end of our passage in Hebrews when this line comes up, Hebrews eleven thirteen. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. That promise, that fulfillment was not realized in their own life, in their own time, but it saw them and greeted them on the horizon. See, the amazing thing about our ancestors and their ancestors and the ancestors before that was that they were telling this story and living this story and faithing this story, not just for themselves, but for someday we might follow in their path on their hike, knowing that the hail would probably be coming. Sometimes your stories come with challenges that do not end in victory, but in tragedy. And we continue to tell even those stories because that's how we know how to lament together. Sometimes our stories come with challenges we so desperately want to overcome, but see no likely chance of any change in our lifetime. But we continue the work and continue the fight, not in vain that we ourselves won't see the promise, but we pass that baton on to the next generation that they might see in our faith that our work and love is worth the love and effort and strength and fight to give yourself over to a cause that maybe even someday in your own lifetime will never be overcome. But it might be overcome in the next generation or the next generation. 
JR, I don't mean to insert a fundraising effort in the middle of this sermon, but in a little bit, we're going to be talking about the next step, and Tamara's going to be interviewing you. There's something about the next step that says, my investment in this place isn't just about my own satisfaction of just myself individually right now. Reminds me of the title of the Susan B. Anthony story, Not for Ourselves Alone. What a great title of a great movie. What a great title of a fundraising campaign. What a great title for your own life. You see, you are a tree in a story about a forest. This life is not about your own personal satisfaction, happiness, or life. When you sign up for the story of God to be a tree about a story in the forest, you're signing up for something much larger than your own happiness. You're signing up for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Your investment here in your time and your life and your finances is something that will happen for these, the grandchildren of these kids, not for ourselves alone. God is calling each of us and all of us to take his hand into the unknown where he is calling us, just like Abram, and to faith together. I wish that I had a Susan B. Anthony coin for all of us. This Christian woman gave her life to a cause. She gave her life to a cause where obstacles knew no bounds, but she continued. She, like Abram, went. She faithed just like Abram. She didn't see the fulfillment of her promise, but it was just over the horizon. And she changed the world. The gift I can give you today is not a coin because I don't have that many of them. But the gift I can give you today is the table. The table is where we celebrate and remember when God in Christ overcame the greatest challenge, even death himself, that we might have life. At the table, we see that our homeland is not a broken and dying world, but in the very presence of Christ is where we belong. It's our home. At the table, we recognize that we're home in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and we can lift up our eyes in faith and hope even when it seems like all is lost. At the table, we recognize that we're strangers and resident aliens where death and decay at times can seem to reign, but in faith. We know that God has the ultimate victory in the person of Jesus Christ. It's coming to the table that we proclaim in the event of the cross and resurrection, God in Christ is reconciling the world to himself. And with that, I want to invite our servers and our ushers who've been asked and prepared by Pastor Kristen this morning to invite you to the table. And when I say the table, I mean this Lord's table, this communion table, as we celebrate what we call Eucharist together. In a few moments, Pastor Kristen's going to pass out, I think, some masks here and some hand sanitizer. They're going to prepare themselves to each ha have these elements for you. We'll be partaking this morning in a couple of different ways. One of those ways is by intinction up in front. There'll be four stations here and once, I believe, one station in the back. These servers will be holding a, a plate of, of matzah bread, which is a story that connects us to the story of Egypt. Those of you who've been in Disciple know that that's why we use the matzah bread. We can't understand this moment without the God's gift to us and the Exodus story. 
And when you come down, I want you to come down with your palms open, and they'll take that piece of matzo bread, and they'll place it into your open hands. Say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then you'll take that piece of matzo bread, and you'll dip it into the cup that's right there in front of you, and go ahead and partake. It's sometimes a little bit larger piece. We're doing that so you don't dip your fingers into the juice. So if you can't finish all of that uh, piece of matzah at that time, you can just kind of enjoy it on the way back to your seat. You don't have to necessarily break it or eat it all at one time. But I want you into these moments to come down. And again, none of you are forced to come, but you are all invited if you know that you need the grace of God in your life. In these moments, they're also going to be an, an usher uh, dismissing you by row, and they'll be holding a little plate with a prepackaged communion element. These are awfully nice and, and don't taste too bad. If you would rather partake this morning rather than in tinction at this open cup at the table in front of us, they will be able to just kind of get their attention and say, oh yeah, I love one of those. And at, when you receive this, when you're ready, you can take whenever these have been praying for these and been prayed for this morning as we prepare there is a few other things you can do as you come down to the table. These are altars. And if you would like to stop and pray, we would love to be able to just make sure that's available to you. We have a, a, a padded altar here and a padded altar over there. If you'd like to pray for healing, there'll be a pastor who'll be able to kind of come down and to pray with you. And you, hopefully there'll be a chance if you come into these spaces that someone will, probably me, will just kind of put a hand on your shoulder to let you, you know that you are not alone and someone is praying for you. You are all as well invited to this baptismal water that if you would like to, after taking Eucharist, be able to dip your fingers in this water, you can as to remember your baptism and remember what God has done for you and for us. In these moments, you are being called, you are being commissioned to come to the table of Lord, whether in your seats with this prepackaged communion or to come down front. And as you get up or as you partake that in that moment, I just want you to know that God is calling you. God is commissioning you to take that step that God is with you, that by the grace of God and for the grace of God, the thesis of your life and calling, whether you're going off to college or you're going off to the classroom in this next upcoming week and whatever challenge or hike or path is in front of you, that God is with you. And we want you to remember that thesis, to be a blessing everywhere you go, that all the families of the earth might be blessed. Jesus, we ask in these moments that you would bless these elements and transform them, God, into the very means of grace for our lives, that they would be, God, grace for the journey ahead, that we know that as you call us out into the adventures of our future, you do not call us out alone, but will walk with us in grace. If you are a teacher, I'm gonna be praying for you you do not have to come to these altars, but if you are a teacher heading into the classroom this week or next and would like to come and kneel at these altars, I would love to be able to see that and know and be praying for you in this moment of prayer after Eucharist. It was on the night that he was betrayed. Jesus took bread and he broke it in great thanksgiving. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And on that same night, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he redefines this as the new covenant in the blood for the forgiveness of sins and says, take and drink in remembrance of me. And so all across this great sanctuary, when that usher comes to your row, you can come to the table or partake where you're seated, but God is calling and commissioning you now to come.
I want to take these moments as we continue to respond in prayer. I'm going to be praying a few prayers here of confession and following that up with just a couple of prayers of intercession and then concluding our, our prayer time before the Lord's Prayer with praying for our teachers. Um, just think our teachers are heroes, grew up in the home of two teachers, and I think as our teachers face the days ahead, just want to make sure you know that your church, your pastoral team is praying for you. Would you join me in as we continue in response and prayer? Jesus, I want to thank you for your presence among us, and I mean us, with us and between us and in us and through us. God, we ask that you would equip us by your spirit with the help of one another to, God, move into the world, into the adventures you call us to in love. That, God, that we wouldn't forget the thesis statement that, God, we would and you would allow us to work in and through us whether our task that day is to survive the hallways without being bullied or God to change the world and generations to come by starting with small steps today. God, equip us with your love, with your encouragement, with your grace and with your presence as individuals and as a whole team. God, forgive us for the times in which we try to do it on our own, in our own strength, Forgive us, God, for the times we try to do it without the help of you or others. Forgive us, God, for the times in which we forget the thesis and we chop up the all and we make it about us, people who look like us, rather than the whole world. God, forgive us for the times in which we think that, God, your love and our blessing is just for us and that you haven't transformed us out of the ends of our fingertips to serve in ways that you call us towards for the ways in which you've loved us. And so God, we ask for your love, for your grace, for your forgiveness, and God, for in the bottom of our hearts today, to have the sense of your calling and commissioning in ways, God, that we know that we are being sent by the very Spirit of God into the future, into the unknown, into an adventure that you're walking with us in love. And God, we ask the for that, for our teachers. I'm going to start with that. God, we ask for those who are stepping into the classroom, whether that's a homeschool, whether that's an art class, whether that's being an assistant principal at Mustang Middle School, or a history teacher at Edmund Memorial, or a first grade teacher, a fifth grade teacher, all of the teachers, so many of you who make up us, God, we ask that you would equip our teachers in love, in grace, in patience, in understanding, in blessing, and that God, as they change the world for future generations, as they step out into the classroom this, morning, this week or the next week, that God, you would walk with them by grace and you would equip them with your presence as they change the world with this commissioning and this calling to be our educators. And God, I want to include our prayers for our students, students especially who might be starting a, a, a new grade, a new school, a new class, perhaps heading off to freshman year, or this is going to be the first year in middle school, or all of the questions that you ask yourself when you get your backpack ready. And God, we also pray for those without backpacks. We pray for those with an unknown school year ahead. 
We pray, God, for those students who need you the most and ask that you would equip their teachers and their schools as well. God, we ask that you'd be with a few folks who need a special and continued healing touch from you. I pray for my one who's been praying for me this week and my friend Faith Sinclair, that God, you would continue to bless and be with her heart and relieve her, God, of any pain in her body. Bring her peace. God, we ask that you'd be with Pete and Cheryl Hall back home, but God, we ask that you would come alongside Pete and give him, Pete and give him strength and healing. God, we ask that you'd be with our friend and, and fellow staff member, Ben Clippert, who's had such a difficult week. God, would you be with Ben and would you be with Caitlin and God, would you bring Ben freedom from pain and healing and hope, even though he may not see it now, God, would you give him faith and be with Caitlin as she loves and cares for Ben. God, we ask for your continued healing in the life of Diane Dawkins and Randa Thompson and Scott Peterson and Linda Weaver those four names of people who have encountered cancer in their life. God, we ask that you would give them the victory and healing. God, I ask that you would be with our friend Betty Fain and also my friend Matthew Larson. Especially, God, be with Matthew. God, we ask that you would be with each of us and with all of us. And God, that you would transform us by your love and through your power. And one of the ways, God, you transform, transform us not just by bread and cup, but by together saying this prayer each and every week. And church, would you say this prayer together with me and it should be on the screens in front of you, whether you're at home or here in the sanctuary. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.